Blog Talk Radio. Tonight on Dr. Anonymous Show 165, our guest coming up will be Mr. Larry Bauer, who is the Chief Executive Officer at the Family Medicine Education Consortium. We can get there by going to fmec.net. Now, before you click off this show, listen to this. Everyone is looking for ideas on how to change the American healthcare system for the better, but how about asking people who work in healthcare? The slogan slash motto for MFEC is driven to innovate, which I love. Have I piqued your interest yet? Stay tuned, and we'll talk more on their Dr. Anonymous show starting right now. the best stories that medicine and social media have to offer. This is the Dr. Anonymous show live on a Thursday night right here on Blog Talk Radio. I'm, of course, your favorite physician host. My name is Mike Seville, but my friends, like all of you out there, you call me Dr. A, and you can always find me at dranonymous.com. That brings you my uh, most current show schedule some blog posts, and also some uh, TV interviews I've done, including the ones I've done this week. May is uh, National Stroke Awareness Month and also Skin Cancer Awareness Month. I'll be having those uh, videos up there soon. Um, You can also go to DrAnonymous.net. Shout out to all 224 people uh, who like the show or who are Facebook fans of the show. You can also get some exclusive behind-the-scenes video uh, of me here doing this show. You can also go to dranonymous.org. That brings you right to my iTunes page where you can subscribe to this show. You can have access to all past shows here. And also leave a comment over there. I very much appreciate that. You can also listen in real time to this show on your iPhone or BlackBerry or Palm Pre or whatever your mobile device is, just direct your browser to blogtalkradio.com slash Anonymous, and you can listen to this show in real time. Today is Thursday, May 20th, 2010. It is 9 p.m. Eastern Time, and temperature at broadcast time here at Dr. Anonymous World Headquarters is 70 degrees Fahrenheit, a beautiful day here in northeastern Ohio. Our guest coming up uh, will be Mr. Larry Bauer. He is the uh, Chief Executive Officer at the uh, 
Family Medicine Education Consortium. You can get there by going to fmec.net. And if you read my blog post today over at DrAnonymous.com, I've been interviewing a lot of family medicine physicians and those who support family medicine physicians. And uh, a little bit, a little bit tilt of the show here, a little bit uh, because uh, I think that uh, family medicine really has a, a story to tell. Um, and I'm going to maybe uh, definitely highlight some of the people that I know and people who I believe can share the story of family medicine because I think, in my heart, family medicine really can guide this country as far as the right way to deliver health care in the United States. And we'll be talking about Larry. We'll talk to Larry in a few minutes here about some ideas that his group it's not his group, but the group that he is a part of. Um, and we'll be uh, talking about all of that in a few minutes. But first, I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio for featuring the show here again this evening on the front page. Welcome to those of you who are new to the show. I myself have been a social media hobbyist since 2005, and if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor myself. I am a proud family physician in full-time private practice, meaning I see patients five days a week in the office and in the hospital here in beautiful northeastern Ohio. And if you're listening live, you can see my smiling face on the webcam here this evening, uh, the uh, Blog Talk Radio cam connection is not working here this evening so i have placed the link in the blog talk radio chat room just click on that that's dranonymous.tv and that can bring you to the video stream over at ustream.tv and uh, if you're wondering yes the uh, video stream and audio stream don't completely match up or line up but uh, you'll get the idea there uh, before we go to the break, I do want to give a big shout-out to the people in our chat room there. We have Dr. Anonymous, who is, I know, a good friend of our guest here tonight. We have J-Man, and we have MD Student 31 And I know that, uh, you know, there's probably some problems getting into the chat room here at Blog Talk Radio. Imagine that. <laughs> so uh, if you are listening, if you hear my voice and are waiting to get in the chat room um, we will be here when you get here, so be very patient, um, and you will get into the chat room um, as soon as possible. So uh, I will uh, now uh, take my break here, and after the break here, we will have our guest. You're listening to the Dr. Anonymous Show, a proud member of the Family Medicine Education Consortium. You can get there by going to fmec.net, and also a proud member of the Better Health Network at Get Better Health. And also a member of the ProMed Network, a podcast you can get there by going to ProMedNetwork.com, and we'll be right back.
Yes, that's right. Lowering your blood pressure one point at a time. This is the Dr. Anonymous Show live on Blog Talk Radio. On the line we have with us right now is my uh, good friend, my good new friend here, uh, Larry Bauer. Welcome to the show there, Larry. Hello there. It's good to be here from the other uh, end of Ohio. That's right. That's right. The, the, the other side. We are on opposite ends of the state. I, I know with the, with the magic of the Internet, it feels like... We're in the same room. That's right. <laughs> uh, so thank you so much for, for coming on the show. This is, uh, I know you and I have been kind of chatting over the past uh, few weeks and uh, um, wanting to get you on the show because I know that uh, we have, uh, we have uh, uh, I guess, not really come to an agreement, but we, we have uh, uh, we've really shown that uh, family medicine really can tell a really good story. Um, but we will get to that. Um, a little bit because I have to tease the audience here a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> um, so let's uh, let, let's talk about you here a little bit, Larry, because I know we talked a, a few days ago, and, and you yourself have a have a, a very interesting story. And our, our mutual friend, uh, Doctor Synonymous, is in the chat room here uh, this evening to uh, to corroborate or to dispute some of the things that you may say. So <laughs> he knows a lot of it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, so your background um, is uh, you have a master's in, in social work, and, and you kind of started off uh, as a counselor. I guess, kind of, I, where I'd like you to start your story is, uh, I guess, uh, um, uh, we talked the other day about your involvement with uh, uh, being a family therapist and Catholic charities, and uh, why don't you start the story uh, from that point, and we'll kind of move forward from there. Sure. Uh, well, um, you know, I have a master's in social work and a master's in education, which I picked up along the way. And um, I was always a person who never had a perfectly clear sense of uh, direction in life, but I had a love for adventure. And so I started off with Elp uh, in Buffalo, New York, um, doing what um, what a lot of people would call behavioral health, or we just called it street work at the time. We didn't have an office, and we went door-to-door uh, -door in an impoverished neighborhood up in uh, Lackawanna, New York, and um, worked with people who were, uh, our job was to find the people who had fallen between the cracks of the health care and educational and social uh, fabric uh, of the community and help get them um, back on their feet and connected up so that they could have a life. And um, so I did that kind of work and uh, uh, then uh, got involved in doing some uh, family therapy uh, after I got my master's in social work. And in, I guess, 1978, I happened to hear about a job out, up at Penn State Hershey at the School of Medicine uh, in uh, Pat Jonas, who uh, is... is um, connected to this call uh, was a guy I talked to on the phone and he told me that uh, uh, about family medicine so I had the good fortune to uh, to get hired into a position in something called faculty development which was teaching physicians how to teach uh, I had uh, developed an interest in in helping people to learn effectively and from my point of view that's really what teaching is all about so I started working with family docs and um, um, primarily helping them to develop their 
uh, ability to teach on rounds, their ability to teach while precepting one-on-one -on -one with students and residents. And then my background in family therapy uh, kicked in, and we began doing some, I think, really innovative work uh, there at Penn State Hershey. Uh, and Pat Jonas and I started uh, uh, focusing on uh, how physicians think, clinical reasoning, and how you can connect up the clinical reasoning abilities of a family doc with their capacity for uh, building relationships with patients. So we did uh, a lot of uh, fun work with that. And so is that, that the piece that you wanted me to start with? Uh, sure, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So one thing has led to another over the years. And for me, um, family medicine was a, a wonderful home. Social workers and family docs are both generalists. And we have very um, uh, overlapping uh, interests and approaches that we use to developing relationships with patients and using those relationships to help uh, support patients and to help them to change. And so it was uh, 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 just a great place for me to be. Uh, and then I got involved in some leadership opportunities in academic medicine, uh, leading something called the STFM Northeast Region Meeting. And um, that uh, evolved over time as we added medical students to the meeting in 1992 and a, a pretty exciting venue to uh, uh, help faculty to uh, uh, hone their academic skills and to advance their work and help medical students understand the excitement of a, a career in family medicine. So that uh, well, let, let me uh, let, let me let me kind of jump in here a little bit, Larry. Sure. So what uh, something that is interesting to me, and um, so what what uh, what fascinates you about um, teaching doctors or professionals or people um, how to learn? That that seems like an interesting process to me. Well, uh, you know, it's like um, uh, helping people to align their forces. When, when people become more effective learners, uh, in, the learning could be a, around any dimension of life, whether it's an intellectual uh, activity like uh, how to be a more effective uh, clinical decision maker, or uh, it could be around an interpersonal dimension like how to develop your capacity for empathy, um, it, it's it's um, it, it's sort of the ultimate kind of empowerment if you can help people strengthen their learning skills. And and it was very challenging. Uh, well, I I found being a therapist very challenging, you know, to engage uh, people who uh, had different set of values and a different approach and maybe stuck in certain ways in their lives, trying to figure out how to help them get unstuck. Uh, that was very challenging, and, and helping people to um, become more effective learners so that they can, in fact, become more effective teachers, um, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's, I, I guess I get a kick out of uh, empowering other people, and through that process, actually uh, uh, energize myself and uh, um, creates a great deal of satisfaction for me. Uh, so, so I guess is, is kind of the skill set of you know being a family therapist and helping people get unstuck. 
Um, is that very similar as far as um, you know teaching doctors how to learn or how to get them unstuck as far as um, getting the information you know in them so they can use that to help patients? Uh, yeah, in, in many ways it, it, it's very uh, parallel, and I, I had had the good fortune to be mentored by fellow by the name of Robert Karkoff, who is a psychologist um, who had developed something, uh, uh, an approach to therapy called teaching as treatment. And the basic assumption behind the model is that people uh, are having uh, interpersonal conflicts or other problems in their life, relational problems, because they don't have the skills to uh, to deal with the um, problems or the people in their in their world. So um, the teaching as treatment really focused uh, on helping people become effective learners, whether it's in the interpersonal dimension. Um, so you're, you're not essentially solving their problems. You're helping them to um, develop the keys that they can use to solve the problems for themselves, and you're encouraging them along the way. So teaching people... Uh, learning skills, teaching people how to become um, more effective in their communication skills. Um, it, it was uh, uh, when, it, when it clicks for people and they're able to, to, uh, uh, to move in ways that they couldn't before, it's just very exciting to watch that happen. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, so now you're, uh, uh, you're involved uh, with the Family Medicine Education uh, Consortium. Uh, fmac.net if people want to find out more information um, and I want to thank you for extending an invitation to me to to uh, to speak there um, at the meeting there at on October 29 through 31 in Hershey Pennsylvania uh, to be talking about uh, social media and physicians and uh, something I know a little bit about um, so um, I guess for people I guess specifically for physicians who who don't know much about the uh, consortium, how would you describe what uh, that group, what that organization is about? Well, I think what's at the core of the FMEC is um, uh, family docs. I'm just going to back up and sort of give you a little background. In my view, uh, family docs are one of the best kept secrets in the U.S. healthcare system. Their approach to uh, developing caring relationships, long-term relationships with patients, their approach to medical decision-making uh, is, um, is really very powerful. There's been a lot of research that documents the effectiveness of it. Uh, a woman by the name of Barbara Starfield, who's an epidemiologist pediatrician down at Johns Hopkins, did some wonderful work in the 80s and 90s to document that. But at the core of what family docs do uh, is this ability to use relationships and to use their medical decision-making abilities to, um, to help people um, struggle, deal with the problems um, that they bring to the, the physician. And, and I tell the family docs, you're the best-kept secret because you haven't figured out how to tell your story to the general public. Uh, so essentially, the effectiveness and the impact of family docs is uh, ignored um, by policymakers. Uh, at one level, they say that you know 
Uh, we need more primary care physicians. We need more family medicine. But they really end up oftentimes making policy decisions that, in fact, undermine the family doc's ability to, um, to practice medicine. And um, I think part of our job is to help tell the family medicine story in a way that's compelling. Um, Marcus Welby is dead. He's long gone. He's the last vestige of a public image for the, the face of what was general practice back at that time and what became family medicine. So we need to find a new way to help policymakers, to help public, uh, even to help people in the hospital industry who don't understand uh, the docs out in their community. Uh, we need to find a way to tell that story that um, draws them in so they can appreciate the value of what family docs do and by the way, I think a good general internist, a good general pediatrician uh, also is uh, delivering that kind of care, uh, just that we don't have that many of those folks uh, anymore. So uh, that's what the FMEC's uh, core mission is. We're changing the U.S. healthcare system one community at a time. We're building collaborative teams. One of the other things about family docs um, is that they tend to uh, be very humble people, and they tend to work um, in isolation. Even if they're in a group practice, uh, many times they're not um, working as, as a part of a team. And we think creating teams, uh, there's strength in numbers, and uh, we've developed a whole series of projects which show the impact of their approach to care, um, but we get people to work together and to collaborate. So. Building collaboration is one of our core methodologies um, to advance what you might call a family medicine agenda. Hmm. Um, and I know you, you and I talked about you. You, uh, you presented recently. Was it in New York City or in Philadelphia? Um, something about trends or uh, mega, mega trends? I wanted you to at least share a little bit about um, what you presented with that. Um. Well, you know, the, I, there's some very powerful things that are happening in the uh, in the U.S. healthcare system that uh, people uh, need to be aware of. And um, what I did is uh, uh, present uh, the megatrends as as I see them. What's coming to a healthcare system near you, and and I can just sort of walk you through those and tell you what some of those are. Uh, one of the very interesting things that is about to happen is that uh, the folks who run Medicare, it's called CMS, they are going to stop payment for uh, hospital readmissions when a patient is discharged and then they're readmitted within 30 days. Uh, they're going to stop payment for that. And that is uh, the bureaucrats' effort to squeeze the ballooning costs of health care at a place where they feel like they can get their hands around it. Uh, it's an, air, an area where um, somewhere between 15 and 19 percent of patients who are uh, discharged uh, end up getting readmitted within 30 days. And that generates a great deal of cost. And there's a lot of controversy over why that happens. But from my point of view, the key solution or the key part of the solution is that the docs out in the community who are the ones who have the relationship with the patients, they're in the best position to um, 
take care of the patient in a way so that they won't have to be uh, readmitted, and we have to create relationships between the hospitals and the docs in the community that are uh, supportive of good primary care so that people don't have to be readmitted. So that's a, a huge mega trend, as I think most people know, uh, family docs and general internists um, are um, uh, bailing out of the hospitals, and they, when a patient gets admitted uh, through the emergency room, they end up on a hospitalist physician service, and there's very little communication, if any, between those hospitalist physicians and the docs who actually know about the patient. So um, we've got to find ways to reconnect the hospital and the uh, docs in practice so that patients don't end up get, getting readmitted. That's a, a big thing. Uh, yeah, this is uh, it, it's really interesting uh, because uh, I've just been in, in, uh, in meetings in the past uh, week or so uh, talking about uh, readmissions, 30-day readmissions, um, and people who may not be that familiar um, with healthcare or who, who are not um, admitted to the hospital that much. Um, let me just kind of break things down for you just to kind of let you know, because people may not be aware of this, is that there's a lot of doctors out there um, who are in their office, but they no longer go to the hospital to see their patients. That is a trend um, that is uh, being seen across the country in case people who are not in healthcare um, or who may not know what that trend is about. Um, so one of the things that Larry's talking about is that when, when somebody is uh, is in the office and, you know, that night or the next day they end up in the emergency room and uh, they end up being admitted to the hospital, they're taken care of by a whole different doctor who doesn't know them at all. Um, and, you know, the, the term that, that is being used now is called a hospitalist doctor, a doctor who is only in the hospital. They, they don't see patients in an office, they only work in the hospital setting and they take care of the, the patient in the hospital. For example, if you have pneumonia or something like that and you need admitted to the hospital and you're in the hospital for X number of days. And then when you get discharged, they get discharged to their office doctor who uh, may or may not know anything about what has happened during the patient's hospital stay. And you're thinking, well, why does that happen? Well, that happens because it is a break in communication. Um, and if the doctor, if the patient's family doctor doesn't know what happened in the hospital, um, then it may come to a point where um, the patient or the person is not completely healed up or something else happens and they end up back in the hospital again. Um, and um, you know, that is, you know, um, from a cost standpoint, that adds cost, but it's also inconvenient for the patient and, and uh, uh, their family. Uh, so, um, so this is a, a, what Larry's talking about here is, is a trend that's happening is that people, uh, unfortunately, you know, may be you know, kind of a revolving door of people being admitted, discharged, and being readmitted just because of a communication breakdown, which I think we can kind of do a little bit better. So um, I didn't mean to put words in your mouth there, Larry. I just kind of wanted to break it down oh. for the audience there uh, in case uh, uh, people are, are kind of confused about, about what uh, some of the things that we're talking about here. Right. So you've, you've actually, uh, in your practice, as I understand it, you take care of your own patients in the hospital, right? 
we're we're a very traditional. What I guess what we're termed now is a traditional type of practice. Um, we uh, we take care of our patients in the hospital and in our office. So if one of my patients um, is admitted, I see them in the hospital. Um, we see patients in the nursing home, which I know people being admitted to the hospital. Um, you know, sometimes there's a different doctor that takes care of them in the nursing home and then a different doctor that takes care of them in the hospital, and there, there could be the same communication breakdown uh, that happens there as well. So I think, you know, <laughs> the best cure would be to have people taken care of uh, in, the hosp- in all settings by their own doctor. Um, in, in small communities, that seems to work a little bit better these days, but in I can tell you in the, in the larger metropolitan areas, um, it's it, you would be considered pretty radical at this stage. So you may, you may uh, yeah. think of it yourself as traditional, but in some corners of this country, you'd be called pretty radical that you continue to do that. Um, or crazy. <laughs> or crazy. Yeah, I mean, I was going to be nice about it. Uh, um, or uh, that 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 is uh, that is too twentieth uh, century. <laughs> that's right. Right. That's backward. <laughs> well, that is correct. That's right. So um, you know, if if the family docs, if the primary care docs in the community aren't going to do uh, what you're doing, then we have to create uh, systems that uh, allow them to communicate more effectively with uh, the docs in the hospital. There has to be uh, a reimbursement so that the docs in the community um, can stay involved in the care and also um, you know, generate revenue so they can pay their bills. And there has to be, and if, if you look at what what healthcare system up in Pennsylvania called Geisinger has done, they've gotten the readmission rate down to 2% and in a very large system that's spread over a big geography, and they've done that by putting what are called care managers in the primary care offices, and it's their job, uh, the care manager's job, to work with the doctors to be aware of the patients who've been admitted, to uh, call them on the phone as they're getting discharged, to make a home visit uh, if there's need for that, so that uh, there's... Uh, a smooth uh, process, a smooth transition from inpatient to outpatient. Um, and, and one of the reasons why this is being looked at is that you know a lot of these patients um, are um, uh, Medicare patients. Medicare patients are patients that are paid for by the federal government. And as everybody knows, uh, the federal government is looking for all kinds of ways to try to save money these days. So this is kind of one of their things that they're going to be looking at. And I know nationwide, um, this, is, these are, this is something that hospitals um, and doctors are going to be looking at, especially because um, the government is going to be saying, um, well, if a patient is readmitted within a month when they get discharged, that means that there's bad care that happens and we're going to take money away from the hospital, we're going to take money away from the doctor uh, because there are bad doctors and bad hospitals, which is not the case. Uh, it is usually just you know, a communication breakdown. So, um, right. so that's one of the things that I think is difficult to uh, explain to uh, legislators it's difficult to explain to people who are who don't do health care every day. Well, the other thing too is it it's not 
just about the money issue. Uh, when you look at uh, people coming out of hospitals who need to be readmitted, uh, you know, people die more. Uh, they're, they're at risk of uh, bad things happening to them and getting into a, you know, a medical crisis situation, which could have been avoided if, the, if we had a better process of care. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, w- were there other trends that uh, that you brought out uh, during that presentation, other than other than the readmissions, which I think is very important? But uh, I'm sure there were probably some some other trends that you identified that you, you well, discussed. Yeah, the next one, uh, which is actually pretty big uh, over the next five years, is that the federally qualified healthcare centers or FQHCs are going to grow by a factor of four which translates to roughly $12 billion, um, is being put into the community health center movement. So uh, in, in some communities that I'm aware of, uh, FQHCs, um, which are run by a, a community board and um, have to uh, be approved by a, a federal, um, um, what do you call them, uh, agencies, uh, they uh, provide primary care, and they are going to uh, be, they, they've positioned themselves to be what they call the backbone of the primary care system in the United States. So that has some real uh, uh, big implications for uh, communities, for hospitals, and, and for the docs uh, who are practicing um, so there's going to be a lot of resources invested in um, docs who are employed by FQHCs. So these FQHCs, I mean, these are these are you know generally or majorly, uh, majorly uh, uh, funded by the government. These are government dollars, from what I understand. Is that is that correct? That is correct. Anybody um, can go so, there. I mean, anybody right. with any kind of insurance or no insurance uh, can go to an FQHC. Um, but uh, the you know the general operating costs are funded by the government. So uh, so so it, would it be their kind of guidelines as far as you know what resources are available to them or what uh, I guess breaking it down to the patient level would, would they be deciding you know uh, what what, uh, what tests that the patients can have or what um, you know uh, services that the patients would have through these federally funded clinics well there's a, a prescribed set of services that have to be offered by an FQHC which are both medical and dental uh, they also have mental health professionals uh, typically uh, working in an FQHC so in some ways, at the primary care level, it's a one-stop uh, shop for, uh, for patients, which is different probably uh, than what you have in your practice, where typically in a, in a private office like yours, you would not have a, a mental health person there. If somebody's got a mental health issue, you probably don't have dentists uh, as a part of your practice. Um, so... Um, you know, it, it's a it's a different uh, uh, kind of approach. Hmm. And uh, what 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 was the number that you uh, that you stated there? How much money well, is this uh, well, talking about here? Twelve billion. They got their wow. first billion in January. They got another one point seven billion in the recently passed legislation, 
and there's an additional $7 billion that's in the pipeline that has both Democratic and Republican support over the next three years. It's wow. enormous. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, I, I, there's a lot of the stuff that you know, I, I wasn't even aware of, and I think even a lot of people in medicine are probably not even aware of not only this, but the potential implications um, of, what, uh, of what this would be. It's, it's very big. So for generations, uh, hospitals and hospital administrators have looked at FQHCs as um, a place where they don't want to have a relationship they, and because the FQHCs typically serve uh, poor people. And uh, the hospital administrators want to keep the poor people out of the hospital because they end up becoming charity care. So that's going to change uh, where the hospitals are going to have to start looking at the FQHCs um, in, in a different way and develop collaborative relationships with them, just like they're going to have to develop collaborative relationships with the docs in the community and community practices. Wow. <laughs> um, all right. All right. That's kind of a biggie. Um, yeah, that is a biggie. That is a biggie. Do you have another biggie or do you have a smallie? Because this, this one is still kind of just settling in with me here right now. <laughs> okay, let's see what we can do for uh, – oh, there's another good one. Uh, employers have finally come to understand that docs like you, that family docs, general internists, general pediatricians, are part of the solution to their problem, which is that they can't afford uh, the health – the increases in insurance that they're being hit with every year uh, for their employees. So that's kind of good to have the Fortune 500 companies. When I talked to their executive director, she told me that the, the number one issue for the Fortune 500 companies in America is increasing the capacity of primary care. But Okay. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. But the missing piece is they don't know how to talk to you. And you don't know how to talk to them, probably. Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> so, if you just for just for funsies here, uh, I'll put you on the spot and say, have you uh, had any meetings with uh, employers in your community lately? Uh, no, no, not at all. So they know you're out there, but they don't know how to communicate directly with you. To cut a deal, for example, to say, hey, look, you deliver great family medicine and primary care, and our employees will be healthier if you take care of them. We know that from the research. And it will cost us less if we deal directly with you. So let's sit down and make a deal. So to take totally take out the, the middle man is what you're saying. Yeah. What do you need a middle man for? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. There you go. Yeah. So yeah. figuring out how employers in a community, particularly the self-insured employers, because the money's coming out of their pocket, and every year they're getting hit with 10 to 12% increases, and they're beginning to say, we can't afford this. We're going to have to bail on our employees and our retirees. So we've got to find a way so that, you as a primary care physician, as a family physician, 
can talk directly with them because most of what the employees need, you can actually deliver. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm with you there. Okay. So there's a whole model of care out there called direct primary care where you have, okay. um, where you have people paying a 25 or $30 per month membership fee to you and you say to them, okay, in return for that, I'll deliver your primary care. And my time uh, is, is covered. So you have access to, to me as your physician for the 25 to $30 per month. And if there's any consumables that are needed, like you know injections and other things like that, there'll be extra charges for that. But you can see your family physician anytime you need to, uh, if, as long as your membership is active. That's called direct primary care. There are models of that working in the country. There's over 100 practices that have that model active. And um, the docs are actually, if you do the math, if you had 1,000 patients and they're all paying 30 bucks a month times 12, that's pretty good income. And you've eliminated so, so all the transaction costs and all the overhead in your practice that has nothing to do with patient care, but has to do with you trying to get paid by an insurance company. So, so how would it work then for so uh, for like big ticket type items? You know, uh, the patient would need a CAT scan, an MRI, or I have my my you know my patient with you know 15 different medications for their blood pressure and diabetes, and like how how does that work in this model? Well, you have to have some other elements uh, to it, so. The piece that I described was just for the primary care physician piece. So, you know, if somebody had, for example, a health savings account where their employer would put a certain number of dollars in there, and that would be the dollars they would use. And once they hit a certain level, like the federal um, level is 2,500, you have to have a deductible. Um, I'm not saying the language right there. That's 2,500 dollars. Um, once that money was spent for the kind of things that you're talking about, uh, then you'd have a high deductible catastrophic insurance policy that, if it was accurately priced, would probably only be somewhere in the neighborhood of 60% of the current cost of medical insurance. In other words, you'd have catastrophic coverage, just like you do for your automobile. You right. have you know, you have insurance to pay for the big expenses and the rest of the stuff like getting your uh, oil changed and, uh, you know, changing your tires, et cetera, you pay out of pocket for that. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But by eliminating all what we call the transaction costs, which are all the little things that happen uh, in order for you to get paid and for the insurance system to work, if you eliminated all of that, um, insurance suddenly becomes um, affordable for employers and employees. Hmm. So that one takes hmm. a little while to get your head around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm, interesting, interesting. Um, let's see, we have, uh, we have about 15 minutes left here. Um, okay. And I'd like to close a little bit with, um, with talking about the, the consortium uh, because – in, in our conversations here, there, there are some 
some groups or some physicians or physician groups um, in the organization who are doing some innovative things um, that nobody really knows about. That's right. Um, um, I wonder if you can maybe share um, a story or two um, to to kind of let people know, you know, what the great stuff that are that they could be that 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 they're doing right now that could maybe be even, um, you know, be shared across the country. Sure. Well, I'll give you two uh, quick examples. Uh, the first one we call our implicit project, and I, I won't go into what implicit stands for, but basically, it's a group of family docs who are working together to improve how maternity care is uh, offered. Uh, their, their goal is to reduce the rates of low birth weight and prematurity. If a child is born of low birth weight or premature, their lifetime uh, risk for all kinds of, uh, uh, from mental retardation to asthma to depression, uh, a child who's born of low birth weight and premature is, is at higher risk for those kind of things throughout their whole life. So this is a group of 20 family medicine residency programs and a couple of community health centers that have been working over the last few years to improve how they deliver care. So they now share uh, information about their maternity care through a web portal, and there's a team of researchers who process the data and give them feedback on how they're doing in terms of uh, addressing the issues that are known to influence low birth weight and prematurity, like whether or not mom's a smoker, like whether or not mom is depressed during the pregnancy, whether she has uh, bacterial vaginosis or um, uh, a series of other things. And what they've shown is that if you reorganize how you deliver care, uh, you can reduce the rates of low birth weight and prematurity. In 2009, for the 4,000 women who were served, who delivered babies, they reduced the rates from 12.7% to 7.5%, which means that hundreds of children were born of full term and of normal weight, which means, I mean, it's the ultimate kind of uh, prevention. Those kids are going to have a, a better life um, because of the care was uh, uh, delivered in a different way. So that's, that's one end of, uh, or one example of what we're doing. Another example, I told you that, that family docs, primary care people tend not to, uh, they tend to work in isolation. So in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, uh, there's a family doc there by the name of Bob Nielsen and uh, Pat Welch, and we talked about creating a learning community where we would bring together private practices um, in um, a monthly meeting, and they could begin to talk about how they um, do their business, how they uh, deliver their care. And over the last year, they've been meeting once a month, and that learning community has begun to uh, show some real results. Uh, number one, they all have a similar electronic medical record, but each practice of three to five docs was trying to figure out how to use this electronic medical record on their own. Now they're coming together with their office staff, <clears throat> they're teaching each other best practices, and by coming together they've drawn the attention of their local hospital and a number of the subspecialists who have now begun to come to their meetings so they can begin to talk about how to deliver care more effectively 
across the spectrum of care. So that's another example of uh, the FMEC's vision of using collaboration to uh, change healthcare at a local community level. Well, great, great. Um, and um, something something that we've talked about before, and I think that is very interesting, and it, and it is a little bit a uh, little bit difficult to kind of uh, explain, but the, the the concept is very fascinating to me. Is is, is uh, some of the awards that are given uh, at the at the meeting, which is going to be uh, October 29th through 31 um, in Hershey, uh, Pennsylvania. If you can get more information at mfpc.net. Um, is the uh, the this we believe statement um, award um, a recognition uh, and uh, I wonder if you could, you could maybe describe that a little bit uh, because I think like like you said before this is kind of something that's at the core um, of what family medicine is all about. Well, you know we're we're pretty proud of that actually, um, and I suspect uh, many of your listeners have heard of the This I Believe that National Public Radio had uh, for many years. Uh, they actually ended up publishing a book, and it asked, through the This I Believe, people were able to state their personal uh, philosophies and, and beliefs. And there were some very powerful statements that I have heard uh, as I was driving along listening to NPR. So we got the idea that uh, we would go to family docs. Again, people don't understand what's at the core of what family docs are, are doing. And we encourage family docs to write personal statements of belief. And uh, National Public Radio, uh, we asked them for permission to use their descriptive materials because they're very well written. But they said, well, you can use it all, but you have to change the name from this I believe to this we believe. Uh, which we were very happy to do. So for the last few years now, we've had um, this award process, and we ask family docs to write statements of personal belief. And it is just very moving to hear what's the inspiration and the motivation and the passion that is at the core uh, of their their beliefs. So each year we uh, invite uh, students, residents, and faculty to, and practicing docs to write a statement. We have a, a team of reviewers who reviews them. And uh, essentially, these are three-minute statements. Uh, and the best th three uh, of the uh, submissions uh, get the chance each of, on each day of our meeting, we have a general session, what we call a plenary session. And before that, one of the award winners will stand up and read their this, we believe, statement. And um, as I read those, uh, which are available under the awards section at our website, you can take a look at the past award winners. It is just awesome to um, be touched by the uh, passion and spirit and commitment uh, of some of these family docs. Um, and I'm uh, for those of you in the chat room right now, I'm going to drop a, uh, a link in there um, to a YouTube site um, where uh, it was one of the uh, award winners. And uh, I'll, I'll try, if I remember, I, I'll write it down here. I'll, I'll put it on the website uh, at uh, dranonymous.com for people to uh, check that out um, as well. Um, and it's challenging. Um, and I know you challenged me to try to uh, to to uh, to. Uh, uh, to look at the core of my beliefs as far as a uh, uh, physician, family physician, to try to 
write uh, write out this, and it's 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 a tough process. It really, it's a lot of self reflection, which I think is good, um, and uh, it's it's not easy to do. Well, sometimes a glass or two of wine might help. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, our last remaining few minutes here, something that that I that I'd like to do um, in the next few months is uh, I, I would like to uh, um, share this show. Uh, with some uh, key uh, people that I know, uh, whether they're physicians or residents or medical students, um, about what FMEC is about and about the uh, the meeting in October. Um, but in uh, uh, the people that you that you talk to and the people that you meet, um, um, well, why should people come to the the uh, FMEC Northeast Regional Meeting October 29th through 31st in Hershey, Pennsylvania? Well, the reason that they should come is if uh, they, they want to be, they want to learn about family medicine or they want to uh, be renewed as a family physician. Uh, our meeting, we, we've really worked hard to figure out how to, um, how to expose the heart and soul, heart, mind and soul of family medicine. Uh, so the students who come tell us, uh, that it has dramatic impact on them. Uh, we had a student stand in front of Michael Dukakis, who was one of our speakers in 2006, a young woman from uh, Howard University, and she stood up at the microphone and she said, Mr. Dukakis, I want you to know I'm going into family medicine because when I sat at the table with these people, I understand that this is my tribe. I belong here, and this is where I'm going to go. And she did. She ended up going into family medicine for her career. For practicing family docs, our meeting, uh, from what feedback from the docs is, uh, it reminds them why they went into family medicine and helps them get in touch with their uh, passion. And being a family doc, as you know, is tough. It's very hard work. And the opportunity for renewal and reinvigoration is very important. And that I think we're very good at that. Um, and the audience for this is, you know, uh, pretty much, you know, n- and anybody interested in family medicine. It doesn't have to be people who um, are in an academic setting. Um, it's open to them. It's open to community docs like me, um, especially, you know, people who are, you know, isolated out there. Um, you know, the, the traditional, you know, semi-rural, rural family physician who is just trying to, um, connect with people who have the same values, but it could be difficult because um, of whatever reason. Um, it's open to medical students who are interested um, in caring for patients, interested in the specialty, open to uh, uh, residents uh, to try to connect with medical students and, and physicians just to talk about um, our specialty, which which we don't get a chance to because um, just, a, just because of this environment that we are in here uh, uh, in, in healthcare, and, and it's difficult to to connect with colleagues um, who um, have the same values, and, and, and this meeting is, is is a great way to to try to bring people together. There you go. You've got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we take a lot of pride in uh, in in offering the kind of programming that. Uh, responds to each one of the groups that you mentioned. We started off many years ago as more of an academic group, but we've really blown the walls out on that. And we do have practicing docs coming in. We're trying to grow that. We have docs coming in from uh, FQHCs, as I was talking about earlier. 
We have docs from academic uh, practices. Uh, we have docs from um, all walks of, uh, all parts of uh, primary care, as well as uh, residents and medical students. The other thing we're going to do this year is we're, we've created something called the Healthcare Innovators Network, and uh, we're going to showcase primary care-driven solutions, and we're going to invite the employers uh, into the meeting so that they can hear about some of these uh, ways of improving health care, like the direct primary care method that I talked about and some of the other uh, innovations that family docs have developed. And there's there's different tracks because uh, in, in the information you gave me there's uh, it does look like there's uh, you know something for everybody um, and uh, um, it's interesting because I'm st I'm just starting to learn about some of these um, healthcare models that that you've mentioned here tonight um, uh, and uh, you know it's not something that a lot of people are talking about uh, but it's interesting discussion um, it's interesting alternatives um, and you know a lot of it is you know family docs really taking the lead and saying hey you know, we think we have the best solution uh, solutions on how to deliver the best health care to our patients. Yep. If, if somebody comes to our meeting and they can't find something that gets them fired up, they need some heavy-duty medicines. <laughs> uh, and if you go over to the uh, website over there, fmec.net, and uh, there's a, a lot of uh, um, uh, awards that are... Uh, um, that are up there for nomination. Um, and if you're listening to this before May 28th, uh, 2010, uh, you'll be able to uh, check those out and uh, uh, submit uh, a form there for you. Um, and uh, it looks like it's, uh, I, 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 I've been to the meeting uh, when I was a medical student. I remember that. And that was a, that was a good time. It'll be nice to, to go back after, uh, after not being there for a few years, it'll be nice to present uh, there. So thank you for the invitation for that. Um, well. And it's, um, and yes, I'm, I'm really going to try, and, and I know I've talked to you about this before, Larry, that you know, I'm going to try to bring a, a social media angle uh, to, the, uh, to the meeting there uh, and uh, to try to, to share uh, um, what I know, my talents with, with the meeting and with the group, uh, uh, because uh, you know, you, you've known and uh, pe people already kind of know my passion for social media and communication, just like what you're, what you're saying as far as communication. Uh, I think that's a great theme. Um, and I think social media definitely uh, has a part in that. Well, uh, let me just say, Michael, that I, I'm going to be a prophet here and predict that you're going to walk into this regional meeting with your social media skills. You're going to be surrounded by students, residents, and practicing family docs from all kinds of settings who are just going to, uh, they're going to ignite with, um, as a result of what you're going to teach them. And it's going to be part uh, of the revolution that uh, we're trying, the grassroots movement that we're trying to create. So you're, you're going to play a very uh, important role in changing the U.S. healthcare system um, by teaching us your skills. Um, and Larry, and you're going to help me too because uh, just in our discussions, you know, you, you, uh, you have a lot of contacts around the country, maybe even around the world, um, who are family docs who have great stories to tell that nobody ever, has ever heard of before. Um, and I would love to bring them on the show to to share their story of family medicine and uh, not only you know how they take care of patients but you know well, other things too like how they balance their life how do they balance their job and their career and home life um, and uh, you know the, those type of issues I think those type of stories are very compelling 
Um, and I think everybody, um, not only people in medicine, like medical students and, and residents, but people outside of medicine, need to hear the story of family medicine. Um, and uh, I, 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 I'm very excited to work with you on that because I know that you probably have a big list of people who uh, who, who you uh, think are going to make uh, great guests on this show. So I look forward uh, uh, to working with you on that. Well, I'm looking forward to that too, Michael. And, and I have to tell you that, that one of the – I'm a very blessed man, and one of the, the great sources of a blessing has been – my chance to sit down and learn about some incredible people and the work that they're doing and and the vision that they have uh you know that's what keeps me going well great uh, so as we kind of close up here I, I, one thing that has really uh, uh taken my attention here on the site there is the the power to change our world award nomination form uh that that seems very uh very fascinating to me. I think that that's kind of a theme to, to the meeting, um, and uh, I guess the slogan that uh, that you use is "driven to innovate." So those are very motivating um, and very positive. And uh, you know, in this very negative world we we live in, as far as healthcare goes, we do need uh, some uh, some positive words, some positive actions to to try to uh, um, you know to, to to try to cheer people up and say, hey, you know, we you know we still love taking care of patients. It's just the healthcare system that's messed up. Uh, you said it. That's right. We got to change the system. You know, I tell people it was our grandparents who invented it. Didn't exist before 1930, uh, before insurance came in, and then a bunch of stuff happened during World War II. So, if our grandparents invented it, we can change it. <laughs> well, good. So, so Larry, uh, but before I let you go here tonight, uh, uh, do you have any uh, closing uh, thoughts for us? Anything I forgot to ask you? Anything that you think? Um, our audience here um, uh, would like to know or needs to know about uh, you, FMEC, or just family medicine in general? Um, well, I guess the, the, the one thing that I would pass along is that um, I think there's a great deal more uh, hope and there's a great deal more value uh, that surrounds us than, uh, than if you read the newspapers or listen to the radio or the TV. Uh, would tell you, and I think that uh, we have to. That's our sky hook, and um, and and I think for us in the FMEC, uh, we really try to make that the core of what we're about, because uh, we think things can change, and we think that uh, people can have the kinds of lives that uh, the good Lord intended them to have, um, and and we just have to get about the business of changing the system to make that happen. Uh, Larry Bauer from the Family Medicine Education Consortium. You can find them at fmec.net. Uh, thank you so much, Larry, for coming on the show. This, is a, this has been a great conversation. This won't be the last conversation about this, so we'll definitely have to bring you back uh, to continue this conversation. But this is a, a, a great start um, to the conversation. And, uh, um, you know, if, if you're in medicine um, and you are anywhere, you know, near uh, the northeast region of the country, specifically Hershey, Pennsylvania, October 29th through 31st. Uh, definitely, you know, check that out. Um, you can get more information at fmec.net. I'll be there. That should be the only reason why you should go. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but well, the uh, other reason uh, they should go, Michael, is that it smells so good there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, but Larry, thank you so much for being on the show, and uh, I, I know we will we will continue this conversation as we go along. We have a few months before the before the uh, Northeast Regional meeting. It's going to be great. I'm very excited about it, um, and uh, I hope that uh, we'll be able to get a lot of people out there uh, just to continue the conversation on how how we as family physicians can uh, can change the healthcare system. Great, and I feel very honored to be a guest on your show. Thank you. All right, we'll talk to you soon then. Okay. All right, kids. So, uh, so that ends my uh, show here tonight. I do want to thank uh, Larry Bauer uh, from the Family Medicine Education uh, Consortium, and um, uh, you can find him at fmec.net. Uh, and it's a great conversation. It's a little bit different show here for for tonight. So I, I uh, uh, we we got a little bit technical there about uh, healthcare delivery and that type of thing. But I, I think it's okay. I think it's good that we were able to uh, to get into that. I think it might be getting into that a little bit more uh, to uh, to help uh, help educate you out there uh, about uh, what's really going on. Uh, so, uh, so thank you for Larry uh, for for coming on the show. And yeah, I am going to work with him because uh, he does know a lot of people in a lot of places, especially family docs who are doing some great things, have some great stories out there uh, that uh, people need to know about. So they'll be coming on the Dr. Anonymous show uh, coming on in the uh, next few weeks. Uh, so that ends my show here uh, for uh, tonight. So just to let people know, uh, in case people uh, want to hang out with me, I'll be doing a little bit of a post-show uh, just for a little bit. Uh, you can go to drnonymous.tv and uh, that brings you to my Ustream page uh, over there, and I'll be uh, chatting it up with all of you um, just after the show, just for a few minutes. Uh, but uh, I want to thank everybody for hanging out here uh, uh, here this evening. So we got Dr. Synonymous in there. Uh, we have a lot of guests. Uh, we uh, welcome the uh, guests here to the show. Uh, I hope you enjoyed uh, what you heard here tonight. Uh, if you'd like that, you can go to dranonymous.com, dranonymous.net, dranonymous.org, to learn more about me, our good friend uh, J-Man and Jesse Ferg, and uh, Kat uh, is uh, listening in here tonight, the Landview Lowdown. Uh, Saturday night, uh, coming up in a couple of nights, our good friend Kat will be coming back on the show, uh, and we'll be uh, chatting it up. The uh, Saturday night show is a lot different than the Thursday night show, so, we're <laughs> we, so we'll, we'll be having fun uh, with that. Um, and also, MD Student 31. Thank you so much for uh, for your involvement in the chat room here. Uh, um, I hope you enjoyed what you heard, um, and I hope you get uh, involved in social media and uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh, blogging and all that kind of stuff. And uh, feel free to contact me if you have questions about that. Uh, so that ends my show here this evening. My next show will be Saturday night, May 22nd. And uh, Kat will be on. We'll be talking about uh, a lot of different topics. We'll be talking about some entertainment uh, stories. We'll be talking about uh, uh, some not-so-serious uh, news stories just to relax uh, on Saturday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, right back here on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, so that ends my show here this evening. I will uh, be uh, closing here with a, with a closing song here. Uh, something I know our good friend Kent will probably enjoy here. And uh, right after the uh, song here, I will be uh, setting up uh, for the uh, short post show at DrAnonymous.tv. So uh, thanks a lot, everybody, for uh, joining me here. And I will say uh, good night, everybody. We'll see you later. Hmm. My song isn't playing here. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
Uh, let's uh, let me try this again here. Uh, let's see. Uh, see, th- this is the very end of the show where uh, people. <laughs> All right, let's try this again. And uh, good night, everybody.
and show now. 